0: i
1: actually <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> i don't
0: know it i don't see it. Good morning,
1: everyone. Welcome. So glad you are here today. It's great to share this time of fellowship and worship together. And we welcome everyone. Uh, We welcome our guests, especially Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill, a, fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, just provide the information you feel comfortable giving to us. But if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, it's a great way to keep up with the activities and opportunities at Community Baptist Church, please put your email address on there. And we'll get you on the list that comes out every Thursday morning. and uh, so uh, we'd invite you to do that. Uh, speaking of some of the things that we have coming up, we have a uh, blood drive uh, that's coming up on February the 8th, and if you would like to donate blood, if you want to make a, uh, a, a reservation, a reservation, an appointment uh, for giving blood, or if you'd like to volunteer, see Jika, and she will be glad to sign you up for that. And uh, as, as we mentioned, the uh, past couple of weeks, we have started a study on Wednesday evenings on time, and uh, this week's subject will be a time for hope, so we invite you to come and be a part of that. We have dinner on Wednesday at 545, and then our uh, Bible study time will begin at 630, and as you notice in your bulletin, there is an open enrollment for the choir, so we're welcome uh, to have new choir members, and the choir is growing, and they're doing a wonderful job, and we're grateful for them, and you can be a part of that as well. Uh, also, there was a uh, note here, so let me see if I can, Chris, is, is, maybe I'll get you to uh, interpret this. It says, a Super Bowl gathering at the Hot Goods next Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, at uh, 5 o'clock. And this is for the 20-something class and the youth. So that's from 6th grade up to Rachel. <laughs> that's what it says there, from 6th grade up to, to Rachel. And then a new member's dinner on February the 19th at 5 o'clock. Okay, more information of that on that is coming. So we have lots of things going on here at Community Baptist Church, uh, a lot of things to fellowship, a lot of things to minister, a lot of things to uh, honor God, and we are grateful to be a part of that. Let me invite you now to, to stand and let us honor God by honoring each other and sharing the love of God together. Give us, O Lord, an eye for injustice. It
0: is only when we are able to recognize injustice and feel its awful sting that we will be moved to make things right.
1: Give us, O Lord, a tender heart. Sometimes we are too hard-hearted to recognize when we have been uncaring, unfeeling, or unkind. Grant us, O oh Lord, the ability to view life from the dust. All our lives we have been taught to make others proud, to be proud of ourselves,
0: to hold our hands high, all the while missing the virtues of being
1: poor in spirit. Teach us, dear Lord, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. Amen. Amen. back.
2: A great crowd here this morning. Y'all are such a fun looking group of people. I want to talk about instructions. Have you ever gotten instructions in your life? Been told what to do? You know, instructions are important, even though you might think of them as a detriment, but instructions help us figure out things. Now, I know a lot of things um, come with instructions. When you buy something new, you get instructions. But um, the big thing now is people look on YouTube for instructions, my daughter. The washing machine was broken, and she uh, got an estimate on how much it was going to be to get it fixed, and she thought she would check it out on YouTube. And I want you to know she figured it out by watching YouTube the instructions that gave her to fix her own washing machine. <laughs> well,
0: but, uh, I am But I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> she probably would be. She probably would be glad to do that. Um, We also need instructions because sometimes things that we already know how to do, we need to go back and check. I brought these instructions for a Yahtzee game. Have you ever played Yahtzee? Mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten in a dispute Mm -hmm. and you had to go back and check what the instructions were on how to play a game? Instructions are a good thing to do, to remind us of things that we need to, uh, the rules that we need to follow and things we need to do. Now, anybody here know how to make... uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You want to come and tell me how to do it? I have, I have ingredients, I do believe, for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So do you want to tell me how to do it? You can sit there and tell me. What should I do? Oh, I was brand new. What do I do? Thank you. It's off. Take a what? This the bread. Which piece should I take? Does it matter? that enough? Smear it on on my bread. More? Do the same thing again? All right. How's that? Okay, good. All right, now what? That's a piece of butter on bread. Take my jelly. I got my
0: jelly.
2: Was I supposed to put it on the bread, the jelly that I got? Should I put it on the peanut butter? Okay. <laughs> now what? Okay. So I've smeared it on the bread, like you said. Okay. How should I put them, I put them together like that? No? Hmm. Put the jelly on the peanut butter. Okay. Shoot. What am I going to do? Hey, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much for instructing me on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, today's scripture that we're going to read and learn about, the people have asked God, we want to follow you, but we don't know exactly what you need us to do. Do we need to bring maybe our our best um, things that we have, that we possess to you? Should we give them to you? He says, no. He says, my dear people, what I need you to do is to do justice. Justice? Now, is justice a clothing store that you go to? (laughs) It's not, is it? you want to come here and stand and hold this? You? Yes, if you don't mind. Hold this. Can you read that, what it says? What justice is? Here.
0: Protect the wounded, rescue the hurting, and restore the broken.
2: So that's justice. So you want to stand up here? Justice is seeing that... Those who are wounded, those that can't help themselves, to help them. And then it says to love kindness. Would you like to stand up here and read this? Okay, come on. Hold kindness and you read that.
0: It is the goodness that we speak, how we show and do it to
2: the others. All right, you stand up there. And then it says to walk humbly with your God. Humbly? Hmm. You want to come and read this? Humbly? Does that mean you're going to walk silently beside God? Now, there's some big words in there. If you need help, you let me know. Recognizing Recognizing and admitting and saying our faults. Faults? Things we do wrong. Things we get wrong. That's what faults are, yeah. And things we do wrong. And weakness uh-huh. so we can be colored, closer closer to God closer to God so here's our rules to do justice show kindness and walk humbly those are our instructions they're very simple just like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when we want when we're going to follow God these are what we these are our instructions you want to pray with me Heavenly Father, these um, children are here to learn, and we're here to learn also. Help us to show justice each day. Help us to show kindness each day. And help us to be humble in all that we do. Amen. Thank you for your assistance. Father, thank you for our church home, our place and our time to be still, be at peace, pray with you, serve you. We gladly serve you with these offerings guide our church family to use them to serve you. We ask this in your name. Amen.
0: Mm
1: Scripture reading is from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk
0: humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord.
3: We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for our family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, prosperity, we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need And love us way too much to give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops What if your healing comes through tears What if a thousand sleepless nights And we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love. As if every promise from your word was not enough. And all the while, you hear each desperate. We'd have the faith to believe Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops What if your healing comes through tears What if a thousand sleepless nights Are what it takes to know you're near What if trials of this life Are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know this pain reminds us that this is not, this is not our home. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is a revealing of a greater thirst? This world. Can't satisfy. What if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise?
1: Thank you so much, Felicia. What a beautiful song. And thank you for reminding us of the blessings that we have in God and reminding us of the fact that sometimes those blessings are hard won. won. They're blessings that come sometimes through hardships, mercies in disguise. Ever happened to you? Happens to all of us. The story is told about an Orchestral concert, uh, which featured a beautiful flute solo. However, this flute solo, solo was a little bit different because it was to be played off stage so that it would sound as if it was coming from a, a, a great distance. And so the conductor instructed the flutist to, to count the measures very precisely in order to come in and, at the exact right moment. I mean, after all, with the flutist offstage, there could be no visual contact between the two of them. And so on the night of the, of the performance, when the, the time came for the flute solo, the flutist counted perfectly and came in, in pers- at precisely the right time. The light, lilting notes floated beautifully across the theater. And then suddenly there was a, a terrible shrieking noise, and the flute fell silent well, as you can imagine, the conductor was outraged at the end of the piece. He rushed off stage to find the flutist, and the flutist was ready for him. Maestro he said, before you say anything, let me tell you exactly what happened you won 't believe this as you well know I came to, came in precisely on at the right time, and, and everything was going beautifully and then suddenly this enormous stage stagehand ran up and grabbed my flute, and he pushed me back and said, Shut up, you idiot. Don't you realize there's a concert going on out there? (laughs) That poor flutist. He was only doing what he was supposed to be doing. And I wonder if something like that has ever happened to you. There have been times in my life when I thought I was doing all the right things and then suddenly life takes a sharp turn and I've been as startled and as flummoxed as that flutist. And at times like that, I've been tempted to ask, what in the world am I doing here? What does it all mean? What does God really expect from me? And sometimes those feelings even bleed over into my religious life. Things aren't going the way I expect them to be going, I think to myself, how far do I take this religion business? How much does God really demand out of me? And of course, there's an answer to that question in the scriptures. I suppose that few verses in the Old Testament or the New Testament are better known than Micah 6, verse 8. God has told you, O human, What is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? I suspect that this text is well known for two reasons. First of all, it has three very easily discernible sections, which makes it easy to deal with. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. The verse itself provides a neat, tidy little sermon outline. You know, my sermon professors used to say three points in a poem, you know, (laughs) and you're good. But so that's one reason this is such a a well-known passage of Scripture, I think. But I think the second thing that makes this so well-known and so important is that it deals in a very simple manner with that age-old question, what does God want from us? What does God want from us? What does God want from you? What does God want from me? And one of the reasons that I like this text so much is that it is just as relevant today as it was in Micah's world thousands of years ago. Micah is considered one of the minor prophets. We don't know very much about Micah except that he lived probably around 800 years before Jesus. And like most of the prophets, Micah spoke out on behalf of the downtrodden and the exploited people. He kind of centered his uh, ministry on in Judea. And he had a particular passion for the poor farm workers who were suffering at the hands of powerful landlords. You might could say that Micah was kind of like an 8th century Bernie Sanders calling for income equality there. And so maybe this will help you as you try to understand these these biblical demands that God places upon us. God has told you, O human, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? So let's begin with the call to love kindness. This is the most basic and the most minimal, minimal requirement of all religion. That we should treat other people as we would want to be treated. A little something called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat other people the way you want other people to be treated. the the way you want yourself to be treated. Over two centuries ago, that great Quaker gentleman, William Penn, wrote these immortal words. I expect to pass through life but once. If therefore there be any kindness I can show or any good thing I can do to any fellow being, let me do it now and not defer it or neglect it as I shall not pass this way again. My friends, all good religion begins here. We may not be able to agree on everything. Indeed, we have some areas of our lives in which we are we may be in sharp conflict with one another. And that's okay. I don't believe that God has called us to live in lockstep agreement with one another. And I fear that we have seen the worst in us during this past political season. But folks, listen to this. God has called us. And we as a church, Community Baptist Church, we have put ourselves out there as a church where everyone is accepted and where a diversity of opinions is encouraged. And God has called us to treat each other with civility and with simple human kindness, even in spite of our disagreements. That's kindness. I saw a story not long ago about a man named Patrick Connolly. He was a huge fan of the country music star Blake Shelton. In fact, Connolly got to go to one of Blake Shelton's concerts one evening. But unfortunately, Con- Connolly is in a wheelchair. And so, what happens at one of these concerts? Most people stand up you know, and, and they 're clapping and singing along, and so all he could see in the of the concert was the back of people who were standing up in front of him until the most emo- amazing thing happened. You see, without even asking two strangers came up to him, picked him up out of his wheelchair, put them on his, put him on their shoulders, and they held him there for twenty minutes so this This disabled man could watch his hero perform. That's kindness. That's kindness. To be kind is the least that we can do, especially in an unkind world like ours. And of course, the Bible places no limits on our kindness. We are even to be kind to those people who are not kind to us. And that's probably the hardest thing, isn't it? That's the hardest part of God's expectations of us. Exodus 23.5 requires the children of Israel not to oppress strangers, other people who live in their midst, with the reminder that they also used to be strangers Jesus went even further than that by saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you see, there are no limits placed upon our kindness. We are to pour out acts of love and generosity even towards people we don't think deserve it. And for Christians, this is particularly significant because we believe that God poured out God's love for us when we didn't deserve it. So you see, kindness is among the most basic requirements for Christians. Now sometimes our acts of kindness are met only with cold ingratitude from those who we're kind to. And that's hard. You try to be nice to somebody and they just are not nice back. But that's all right that's on them we are called we are called to obey jesus and kindness is the first order of business for a follower of jesus secondly we are to do justice <clears throat> now justice is much larger and more complicated than than kindness You see, kindness is often, not always, but it's often an individual act. You see a person in need and like the the good Samaritan, you try to help. That's kindness. Justice, on the other hand, is is the passion that followers of Jesus have for making certain that every person on the earth has a decent opportunity for a healthy, wholesome, rewarding life. That's justice. It is said that Abraham Lincoln once saw a slave girl being sold on an auction block like a head of cattle. She was being separated from from her family, from her friends. And Lincoln saw the frightened look in her eyes and said, This thing must go. He was talking, of course, of the institution of slavery, and he dedicated his life to the destruction of that barbaric institution of slavery. That's doing justice. And I would say that there is no concept that is more Christian nor more American than this demand for justice. Wherever there are people who are oppressed, whether it is political oppression or economic oppression or racial oppression or whatever form that oppression may take, we must raise our voices in opposition. Pastor Ed Marquart gives a good example of the difference between kindness and justice. He reminds us of a story from Charles Dickens' time when many 12-year-old boys were working in the coal mines down in the dangerous shafts and and that happened here in the United States as well in many parts of the, the coal region, perhaps right here where we live. But their lives were miserable. But that was that was what was expected of a twelve year old boy in those days from a poor family. They were expected to have a lifetime of hard work down in the mines, beginning when they were just small children. And so the church tried to be kind to these poor boys. They offered Presents at, get, at Christmas time. Their families received charity and holiday turkeys. The church would, would pray for these little boys working their fingers to a bone in, in, in the mines and suffering terribly from it. But one day, some determined leaders passed a much needed law which said that these little boys could no longer work in the mines. In fact, the law insisted that they go to school instead. That, my friends, is the difference between kindness and justice. Kindness is giving Christmas presents to disadvantaged boys in coal mines. Kindness is giving their families turkeys during the holiday season. And kindness is praying for them. And all of that is well and good. There's certainly not enough kindness in this world to go around But doing justice is working to change the law so that it is illegal for little boys to work in coal mines in the first place. I'm afraid that we in the church are content to be kind. And don't get me wrong, kindness is great. But that's just the beginning of our walk with Jesus. It is the bare minimum of what we are called to do. We are to love kindness, but we are also to do justice. Someone has illustrated what doing justice is with, with a fable. It seems that two people were strolling along by the river when suddenly they were looking out and they see a baby in the river. And so they jump in and they rescue that baby and turn him over to a kind stranger who rushes the baby to the hospital. The next day they're walking along the river again and they see two babies in the river. So once again they rescue the babies and they give the babies to two other strangers who rush them to the hospital. And the next day they're doing the same thing and they see many babies in the river so they called the emergency medical service and, and rescued as many babies as they could, but some of them struggled and drowned. The first man says to the other, isn't it wonderful that through our faith we are here during this tragic time of need and we were able to save some of these babies? And the other man said, yes, but I think we better go upstream and find out why these babies are being thrown into the river. Now, rescuing the babies is obviously important. It's an act of kindness. But going upstream to stop the babies from getting thrown into the river, that's an act of justice. We need both. We need to be kind, but we also need to be champions of justice. And it doesn't matter whether it's in Syria or Sudan or Africa or here at home where there are people who are being treated cruelly We have a mission. Doing justice is a lot harder and it's a lot more complicated than loving kindness. But it's just as important in our Christian walk. And I know that that's not a popular theme in our present world. Some would say let the babies fend for themselves. Charity begins at home. But for people who recognize that their lives have been bought by the blood of the cross, that kind of attitude is repulsive. We are here today because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And we are here today because there was a man in Galilee who cared more about us than he did himself. And if our response to that wonderful grace of God is only to shut ourselves off in our little designer cocoon with our luxury automobiles and expensive high-tech toys and big screen TVs while the rest of the world goes to hell, then we are in deep spiritual trouble. So what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, And to walk humbly with your God. Few characteristics are as appealing as much as as a person of genuine humility. So that's the last thing. Three points in a poem. (laughs) Without the poem. (laughs) To walk humbly with your God. But Micah is talking about a special kind of humility here. This is the same kind of meekness that that Jesus praised when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus was not talking about the, the shy, timid mouse of a person who is content to be the world's doormat. That's not what he's looking for here. Rather, what he's talking about was a person who is so committed to serving God and to serving other people that they have an astounding impact on our world. A humble, truly humble person can do that. I learned recently that there's a practice that goes back to the heyday of of the great western cattle ranches. It's a practice of using a burrow, a, a donkey, to help tame a strong steer, a rambunctious steer. And it worked like this. The steer bucking, you know, what you've seen, them buck around and they twist around, they're, they're strong, they're big, and they're, they throw their weight around. And so they jump and they buck, and, and what they do is they, they halter a little burrow, a donkey, to a steer. And the two are turned loose on the range, and like a scene from an old Laurel and Hardy movie, the steer and the donkey can be seen disappearing over the horizon, and the donkey, I mean the steer all this time is bucking, and that poor burrow is getting bounced around and, and, and tossed all over the place like it was nothing. And they'd sometimes be gone for days. But eventually they would come back home with the burrow in the lead trotting along for home with the submissive steer in tow. You see, somewhere out there, that steer would become so exhausted from trying to get rid of that donkey that the donkey would eventually take mastery and lead the steer. Now, that donkey might appear to be meek or humble, but through determination and persistence, it conquered the steer. That's the kind of meekness that Micah and Jesus were talking about. They were talking about the person who has surrendered his or her life so completely to God that he or she develops a fierce determination to see God's kingdom realized. And that kind of humility leads to tremendous power and effectiveness in life. Pastor Tony Bland describes uh, that kind of humble person. Bland begins by telling about a statue. This is the largest cast iron statue in the world. It sits atop Red Mountain, overlooking the city of Birmingham, Alabama. What you may not know about Birmingham is that at one time it was a major center for the production of steel and iron, and this 56 foot tall statue depicts the Roman god Vulcan, the god of fire and forge. It is a symbol of Birmingham's past, it's reflecting its roots in the iron and steel industry. But there's another statue in Birmingham. Down in the heart of the city, there's a park in front of a church. And in that park, there's a statue that portrays a little man on his knees, his face raised to heaven. This man was known simply as Brother Brian. Brian had been the pastor of a small Presbyterian church. Brother Brian was a humble pastor. He was often seen on the street corner of Birmingham on his knees praying with someone that he had met on the street there. He pastored in Birmingham for more than a quarter of a century. He was a servant to everyone that he'd met, he was meek and humble. But when he died, businesses closed. Flags were flown at half-mast. The whole city wept in sorrow at his departure. And they built this statue to serve as a memorial to this humble pastor. Tony Bland writes this. He said, When the statue of, of Vulcan has tumbled to dust and Red Mountain is worn flat, the witness and work of Pastor Brian will still remain. Brother Brian was a humble man, but he moved an entire city through his devotion to serving God and others. And that's the kind of humility that God seeks from us. So, what in the world are you doing? Whatever else you're involved in, I hope and I pray that you are engaged in these three simple but courageous acts of following God. God has told you, O oh human, what is good, what to do. And what does God require of you? Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. 326. All on the altar. That's putting it out there, folks. Putting our lives on the altar. Turning our backs on ourselves. And that's what gets us in trouble. That keeps us from being kind sometimes because we want our way. That keeps keeps us from doing justice because when we do something that helps somebody else, sometimes we have to pay for it. That keeps us sometimes from being humble because we're so proud of ourselves. But we need to put all of that on the altar of God so that we can be the people that God has called us to be. Let's sing together. Go now to embrace the values of God's kingdom, values of love and justice and truth and humility. Go now with God's blessings to live those values through the power of our challenging, faithful, loving, empowering God.